So getting a chance to actually do something on the scale of a new deal in the green new deal, we've never had a better opportunity than now to do this. Now and we, we have to seize it because it's otherwise it'll be too late. Yeah, I mean, we, we get one world, one shot at this. So it's something I've gotten really passionate about lately. It's important to think about. And I'm glad that you are. Like everybody should be thinking just a little more about it and at least educating yourself on what it is and what you can do to help. Hello, anybody, everybody. My name is Cody Wilkinson, and welcome to episode 15 of CodyCast 101. Last time, I got a chance to catch up with Miles Alexander, a teammate of mine from my college football days. We had a great time, and I definitely recommend you check it out. In the spirit of catching up with my friends I haven't spoken to in a while, today's guest is another former teammate of mine, Alex Johnson. Alex played safety for the cross and now works for the biometrics company Dayon in the D.C. area. It's great to think how everybody scatters across the country once we're all free to pursue whatever we want. Anyways, we got into a lot of different subjects on this one, and I think you'll all really enjoy it. As always, thanks for listening, and go follow me on Instagram at CodyCast101. Now, without further ado, please welcome Alex Johnson. Welcome back to CodyCast101, everybody. Today, we are here with Alex Johnson. He's a former teammate of mine as well. And why don't you introduce yourself, sir? Hi, I'm Alex. Like Cody said, I'm his former teammate. I play free safety. And now I live in DC area. Uh, nice. I'm an HR. Nice. What was the company you were for? It's a technology company, like a security software. Okay. So some super obscure thing. Yeah. Like nobody. Uh, oh yeah, like I had to sign a bunch of non-disclosures and whatever about it, so I can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement when I did my internship for Catchpoint. It's the summer before our senior year. Oh, really? What company is Catchpoint? It's another software company, tech company. They are like an end use monitoring company. So their software basically alerts websites and like the owners of websites that there's a bug or like there's something is slowing their systems down to go fix it. It's literally just an alarm for one or two second delays on load times for websites. It's ridiculous. Like, and it caters to that That's crazy. super short, short uh, attention span of everybody, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So how do you like DC, man? You, you moved there a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, I moved here. And it's been cool. It's been an adjustment because I've never actually lived down here for like any extended period of time other than like the internship. But it's cool, man. I like it a lot. It's really um, a lot of stuff to do. Obviously, can't do too much because of Corona right now. But overall, like I'm starting to really enjoy it. Nice. That's good to hear. Um, you did. Is it, are you working for the same company that you had your internship for? summer before senior year yeah so man that must be nice kind of slide right into a job right after graduation it was but it kept getting delayed because of the virus and whatnot so it's it but i'm really happy and honestly really lucky that it came through yeah man for sure i know a lot of people that had their jobs coming out of college delayed for months so yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't have that kind of scenario, though. I mean, I was very much like, okay, college is over. Now let's, let's just, like, chill and, like, kind of hang out, do whatever for a while, kind of figure out what I want to do. So that was my That's good, too, because, yeah, you got, you got options, and you do have time. So that's a great route for that, too. Yeah, I mean, my, my mentality was just, like, you know, we've got – what 60 years in the workforce for our lives 50 years you know i can spend exactly. to like have fun and like hang out 
see some friends, record some podcasts, you know, do that thing. So exactly. Like don't just follow the conventional route. Like what is like everybody's path is different. And I was kind of taught that from a young age. Like nobody, nobody's two paths are the same. Like wherever you go in life is probably like where you were meant to go or what you really want to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I always think about my dad uh, when I think about how life turns out because I'm the product of a second marriage. So he went through the first thing, like the job, the family, the kid, everything kind of fell apart. And then he had all these other things that just happened to line up to where he met my mom and my mom did the exact same thing or she's in a, she's a second marriage as well. So life had to happen in a very specific way for me to exist, you know? And I, I think that's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. How like, how, uh, how we come to like where we are is a very, it seems random, but then it does, it seems like, with, it has it has purpose too it's random but purposeful at the same time exactly like i guess it's the belief that everything happens for a reason you could call it that it's like i don't know it's all you always hear about it in like school and like learning about like philosophy and stuff like that you learn about like what's like your true existence human true existence but like nobody really knows <laughs> nobody everybody does. does something different yeah, that's that's my favorite part about these questions is that every single person has a subjective answer to it. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, where you were born, how old you are. That your perspective on that one question is wholeheartedly unique to you. Exactly. Like experience shapes everything, especially opinions. Yeah, yeah. I mean like nature versus nurture. I mean, what's your stance on that? I think I'm more of a nature. Yeah, more of a nature guy. Um, yeah. I'm I'm actually a very – so I think that it's both, obviously. Um, not obviously, sorry. I think it's both. But because you have, like, a family where they're super rich and every single kid – is born in the same family, like same upbringing, but one of them's a crackhead and one of them is a CEO of a fortune 500 company. They're the yeah. same, same nature, but and they're same, same nurture. I mean, but something happened in the nature where this outcome happened or that versus that outcome, you know, and then you could go the flip side where you have somebody who grew up with a family in the streets where one kid makes it to the NFL or makes it, out of the streets, however you want to phrase that, and the other kid goes to jail, uh, gets caught up in gang violence or something. It's the same family, the same nature, but the nurture is clearly different somehow. I don't know. Exactly. Like, that really is an interesting concept because there's the, both those situations have probably happened hundreds of times in different families, and each one is different, and that's what I mean. Like, every person, like, despite your circumstance, despite your nature versus nurture, like you can come out however you want to a degree, but like everyone has a different way about going about it. And I guess the end of the circle is trying to find a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, life, life is interesting. Uh, I mean, what is there? So, okay. So my favorite like aspect of this whole, debate is it comes from greek mythology and a lot of my perspectives come from greek mythology because i think that they had the most fascinating culture and mythology and religion and human history uh, but their story is the fates they've got the three fates that they're i don't remember who where they come from i want to say that they're children of zeus but it doesn't really matter anyway three fates control everybody's life so you have one person holds the yarn one person draws the strip the line of yarn that is a life out and one person cuts it with scissors and in that context 
that yard, that line of string is a life. And like the first part is, you know, adolescence, second part's college, the third part's your first job, second part, like fourth part is your next job, fifth part's your kid. But like, you know, it goes, it's a linear line that summarizes your entire life. And I think in Western modern culture, we always think about how our fates are up to us and free will. And we like, if you took that analogy, you'd think that the line would be all squiggly and waves all around. Like, Oh, you go to Moscow for a month and then you come back. But that was pre like, you look back a year after you go to Moscow and it was predestined. Like, Oh, I went to Moscow. Like it's just a part of my life. It's part of my string of yarn that is perfectly straight and linear that's where I was for this thing. So I'm more of a fate versus and in the, like, now this is like the fate versus free will debate is like fate mm. much more on the fate side than the free will side. But I feel like we're fated to have free will. So like red pill or blue pill, if you choose the blue pill, you were fated to choose the blue pill. You know? Exactly. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. A lot of times, like, I switch between the two. Like, both are have sides to it, but I think you can honestly have a little bit of both. Like, fate happens, but then you might be put in a situation where you have to make a choice, but that's your fate. And, but you still have to make that choice, whether it be right or wrong, and there's the consequences of it. Yeah, I think the perfect example of that for us is going to Holy Cross. You know, me being from, Easily. Me being from Minnesota two super random Western states going to some super small, obscure school in Worcester, Mass. Well, I, didn't <laughs> uh, I didn't know about it. Like when they started recruiting me, I had never heard of them in my life. And I literally had to look it up. And my mom had heard of them. She told me about it. And then that's literally, once I looked it up, that's why I decided to go there. But I had no idea they even existed in high school. <laughs> Same, same dude. And I'm, you know me, I'm a very anti-religious person and a school called Holy Cross wants me to go there. Get out of here, dude. I'm not going to Holy Cross. <laughs> uh, but my mom was like, Cody, it's a great school because she also knew about it. I don't know if my dad did, but she knew about it. And she was like, Cody, you're going to see this opportunity through. And one thing led to another. And here we are four years later, graduates from Holy exactly. It's It's nice to be done. I'm not even going to lie. It's, it's very nice to be done. <laughs> You're telling me, goddamn. Got out just with like, all this stuff going on. I know. It sucks that we missed like the best part of college. But, I mean – we could be still stuck as like sophomores doing this. I would, I can't imagine that. I feel so bad for our younger teammates right now. Their, their whole season is ruined and have to come back from that. Like I couldn't imagine working out like we did and how hard we did, but not looking forward to games at any time of year. I couldn't do that. I know. And for them to go through that is just like, that sucks. Like you said, I feel so bad for them, but I feel like they'll come out better from it. You think so? They they probably can carry the momentum, but it's just like, it's that's insane. Like, you see it across all college football, not just whole cross, but these schedules just throwing off everybody's, like, rhythm for a normal season. Like, Corona literally is just messed up everything. It's really interesting to see how things continue to go through and how things like continue to evolve as the pandemic goes on. I know, dude. It, it, watching and, and right now watching the cases go up really bad. I mean, today's November 19th, and I think yesterday was like Wyoming's worst day so far with like, I don't, I don't know the numbers, but my hometown is being ravaged right now. It's not good. Small town in Wyoming. Really wow small hospitals like hospitals are maxed out um the lines to get tested are hours long like it's not a good not a good sitch 
no. And unfortunately, it's been like that across the country, like this last two weeks. Yeah. And it comes at such an unfortunate time because next week is Thanksgiving. You know, and the CDC just released these guidelines for like the new set of guidelines is a strong recommendation for nobody to leave their hometown for the holidays. Nobody, nobody travel anywhere for the holidays. Which is like the best part of the holidays. They, I, they can, they can recommend that, but it's not going to happen. Like people are going to travel. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to enforce it. Sorry. They can't enforce it, but, uh, a lot of people are still going to follow them because of their own moral decisions, you know? Yeah. What are your things? You I think, in? sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that a lot of people will actually make the right choice and not go and like do virtual Thanksgiving or something like that. That would, I feel like a lot more people will do that than we expect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine like somebody bringing a, a, TV to the dinner table and having like a group family Zoom call with like 15 faces. And then dinner's over is like, okay, want to play some Monopoly, everybody? Oh, wait, we can't do that. Never mind. So, uh, this is going to be weird, man. It's going to be really weird. It really is. Uh, one of the things that, coming back to the football season, uh, I think, and I think that we've seen this already, but we're going to get a lot of really bad football from a lot of really good teams and a lot of really good football from a lot of really bad teams because, and I don't know anything about Cincinnati right now, but they're like seven or eight from the country undefeated, absolutely destroying everybody. But they're like, they're not a big team, you know, like why are they like in North Carolina earlier in the season? I know they slid a little bit, but the Tar Heels were super good. So it's just going to be a really interesting year. And I think thinking back on it, like if I was one of those coaches from like a smaller middle of the road football program, I'd bring my team together as soon as everything broke down. It's like, okay, guys, this is an opportunity for us. We can either like roll over and let this pandemic kind of control our football season, or we can double down and we can, try to take advantage of it as much as we possibly can. And those are the, those, the programs that did that are the ones that are doing really well right now. Yeah, you can see it honestly. And uh, a lot of programs, like even not really so much in profile that's different, but like in college, like, like you said, they basically have nothing to lose. So like, if it's not, if we, if, if this year it happens and we went up through all this, why can't we a team that we've lost to like every year for the past like twenty years? Like like look at um look at like Coastal Carolina, that's what I'm thinking of. They're ranked for like the first time in school history and they're undefeated. Like out of nowhere. Really? Together. Yeah, really. Look it up. It's like the first time I saw this that it was crazy. It's like the first time they've ever been ranked in school history. They've been an FBS school for like Probably like eleven. They're really small school. They're like new to FBS. They're undefeated. Wow, good for them. Yeah. I know in Carolina until their softball team won the Natty. I was like, oh, okay, that place exists. That's right. They did. <laughs> oh, that sophomore year or something like that. A few years ago. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. Either way. Um. So, uh, DC legalized shrooms. It's a big deal. They did. They decriminalized um, shrooms this past election. Did you vote in DC? No. So, I was living in North Carolina at the time because that's where my parents moved to, and that's the place I had to go. So, I lived there and I voted in North Carolina, which ironically, yeah. Um, how was your, what was your voting process like? Cause for me, I just got something in the mail, filled it out and turned it back in. Cause Colorado's had mail in ballots for years and it's a very normal thing for people to m vote through the mail. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. 
Um, but that's really helpful too because in North Carolina they had mail-in ballots, but you had to have them in on election day by 5 p.m. But I didn't go in vote. I just went in person because it was a polling place probably like 10 minutes from where I lived. So I, it was really easy, like terribly long, like in Georgia or any other states. I literally walked, I probably waited like 10, 15 minutes in line, walked through, they told me what to do, everything, voted, I was out in like five minutes. It was super easy. Really? Did you mm-hmm. on every single thing you could have, all the prop propositions and amendments and all that? No, because I hadn't lived in North Carolina long enough to like know the gritty stuff of politics and like I basically just went all the way through like representatives and senators. And then like elections, I didn't vote because I hadn't lived out enough. Sure. No, that, that's smart. I think that's a good way to do it because like, I, when I voted, uh, it took me like an hour and a half to vote. Um, wow. Yeah. So I got my ballot in the mail and I just sat at my desk right here. And I mean, I had probably 20 things to vote on. So obviously like the really easy ones were just – um, filling that in but propositions like one of them that I stood out really well was there was a prop there was a proposition to try and reintroduce wolves into the wild here like make a oh, cool. yeah so the it was it's the only thing we were voting on was whether or not we should um so it was like an affirmation of yes or no but the after the yes meant just making a plan to migrate more wolves back into Colorado because wolves used to be native here, but when the white men came over and, you know, kind of disrupted everything, Mm -hmm. lost our wolf population and they were reintroducing Yellowstone very successfully and they've slowly been making their way south and there are some packs at the border of Wyoming and Colorado, but this was like a, big effort to try and reintroduce wolves so i voted yes on that because i think that by like increased biodiversity is always better than decreased biodiversity there are a lot of like hunters the people that are on like the more rural side of the state like i'm pretty sure they were very against it it was very much like a city city slicker vote like let's bring wolves back and then the people who actually live in the places where wolves are is like, we don't want wolves here. What are you talking about? So kind of a weird dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. I was going to ask you, like, how divided was everybody on that? Because that seems like it gets super divisive. Yeah, I, I'm going to look up the uh, um, the numbers on that right now. What is it? Um, Colorado wolf reintroduction. Uh, ballot. Let's try that. Percentage. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pull them, pull the numbers up. I don't even know what won. Um, it was approved. So yes, Proposition One Fourteen. So fifty point nine one percent to forty nine point zero nine percent. Only 50, wow, that's close. Yeah, 50,000 votes out of um, about 3 million. That's crazy. Wow, that's super close. Seems like elections like everywhere, no matter what it was, were close this year. I know. And in some ways, I think it's a good thing because it shows the diversity of the country, but in other ways, it shows the polarization of the country. And it just, I don't like it. it, scares me. Now, ever-changing political landscape that is for sure going to either go the right direction or go the wrong direction the next, like, four years. Like, this is, like, deciding where we go, <laughs> no. whether it's going to be good or we're going to be back where we started. I know, man. Uh, and for me, the most important issue that I vote on is climate change and climate policies and green new deal like affirmative action stuff and uh we really are in a make or break it time right now with with that so 
I'm not, I like, it's weird. I'm like in such a weird place where I'm optimistic about it and I'm really pessimistic about it. Like, I think that we've already done ourselves in and it's, it's just over. Like we're going to out through our lifetimes, we're going to ride out the worst effects of climate change and it's just going to destroy society, like civilization. And then the other side is like, we're really going to come together. We're going to innovate. We're going to, deploy new technologies and invent our way out of this. Like we always do, you know? So I'm kind of optimistic that we're going to be able to figure out how to come out of this. But at the same time, I'm really pessimistic that we're going to destroy ourselves before we get to that point. It definitely, it definitely could happen. I'm not going to say like, no, no way we'll come through this. Like, there's a real possibility that we change the climate on this earth for the really uh, far foreseeable future. But I don't think I'm with you. I think I'm with it's realistic because I see like things changing, but all like with what Trump did, like um, rolling back oil regulations and letting people drill freely, like stuff like that, obviously doesn't help. Everybody does just a little bit, then it will at least start to get better like it is now and then all we have to do is just keep incorporating more people and just doing a little bit using less energy using less gas things like that yeah um, it's it's a really healthy combination of individual and societal change where i do my best to buy things from companies that focus on sustainable practices so like I just got a new pair of jeans because I only have one pair and I looked up sustainable jean companies. So what companies are using recycled jean material, denim, uh, to make jeans? because denim is very toxic and environmentally destructive. Like it, in nobody, there's no way to like, I don't know enough about the subject, but it's, it's not a very recyclable product. So it's going on to these landfills and it doesn't degrade naturally. Like, all these sorts of things. So on a personal note, you can obviously make changes to be sustainable and that's going to help a little bit. But if you want to look at like carbon emissions, for example, um, one of the most, I don't, it might be the number one carbon emitter in the world, but it's definitely like top five, top three is concrete. And in 2019 or 2018, China poured more concrete than the U.S. did in a hundred years. You're kidding? No, like they—they're going nuts with this whole building thing, and they're—they're they're interconnecting highways across Africa and Asia right now. And mm -hmm. of course, we want to progress these third-world countries and to give them the opportunity of a life that is similar to ours, but we can't do that by destroying the planet at the same time, you know? It's a super delicate balance. And unfortunately for like, for our life for sure, probably like, they've never like stopped companies and corporations from expanding into wild spaces until shit. Probably when we were in like middle, are like passing like real environmental laws and changes and like now we're just living the consequences of it yeah and it sucks that i don't know if it sucks it kind of sucks but it it sucks that it's our generation that's stuck with this problem but at the same time we get to be the generation that makes or breaks humanity that's why i think it's pretty cool you know mm -hmm. and how many generations it's a lot of responsibility so much responsibility you know like that's and that's why i feel so strongly about uh having a career in uh renewable energy because i view work as one's contribution to society so a doctor works every day to take care of the sick and injured of the of the society auditors make sure that numbers are going where they where they should go and money's 
you know, not being stolen and fraud and all that stuff. And basketball players entertain the world, you know, but mm-hmm. so, so then I look internally and it's like, Hey, what do I want my contribution to be to the world? Well, what, obviously, you know, you want to do things that you're passionate about because that just makes life better, easier, you know? Exactly. But, yeah. And, in a, I'm a problem solver. I'm a solutions guy. I'm a, I'm a solutions seeker. So I, I just looked for what I could do in the climate change industry. It's not really an industry, but there's multiple industries. Well, really everything that we have in our modern world has to change in some way to be more sustainable or to be more environmentally friendly. And I just, I, I kind of settled on, the solar industry and uh, renewable energy because I think that transitioning our energy sector to renewables is the first and most important building block in achieving our carbon neutrality goals. I've said that sentence like a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> You're, right. You're completely right. Because like the biggest thing that has to change or the biggest thing that has to change for when would you mind repeating that actually? Sorry, couldn't quite hear. I said if that's one of the biggest things that has to change, so why not do it first? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of the biggest carbon emitters, you know, oil and gas. It's, it's, I think it's the most obvious one. If you really want to look at mm-hmm. like nitty gritty like numbers and where you can make the biggest impact, there are probably other things, other smaller sectors that you could work towards innovating and in, in, in the energy industry as a whole, solar is only going to provide 30 to 50% of the world's energy at like peak capacity. I mean, it could get to like 60 maybe, but it has limiters on that. And then you can use some wind that's going to be 20 or so, but for an island like Japan, for example, they don't have any land mass to put solar panels on. There's no, it's super mm-hmm. and it's got like a hundred million people. So they have a huge energy need and not a lot of space for solar. So the, their biggest, so um, they are Australia's biggest coal consumer and customer. Mm-hmm. The Australian coal has been powering uh, much of the Southeast d- development for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how you get, do they just transport coal, I guess, just raw coal? Well, I know that there's a bunch of ship it off the Pacific Ocean to Japan. Yeah, uh, I think there's some offshore wind production um, being uh, like brought up or thought about right now, but a lot of these projects that are going to make the biggest impacts are still a decade or more away. Sucks. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, I guess that's why people are clamoring for change now because like, like you said, it's such an important issue, but it's also not close in any time soon. So it's a tough out. We're in a really unique spot in the timeline of this where we can start seeing the effects of climate change, like we had a record-breaking hurricane season this year, which is not over. Fires absolutely ravaged California for like the fifth year in a row. And Colorado now, I mean, there was this huge fire. Uh, So there was one fire that was within seven miles of my place here, but it had to go over an entire mountain ridge, so it wasn't gonna get to us. And then the fire at Grand Lake, which I did two podcasts about earlier with Bradley, who's one of my coworkers at the marina this summer. He and I went on a hike and, you know, just the day after, so the afternoon after I left his place, this huge fire grew 100,000 acres in a day, 6,000 acres per hour, just absolutely racing through. This, the wind speeds in the fire uh, reached over 220 miles an hour. Just absolute- oh my n- God. Yeah, and, and like there's just so much fuel, and it was super windy this year. So wind is blowing all these f- alive, like fresh trees down, 
So it's killing these trees, but they're not dead because it takes a long time for a perfect, perfectly alive tree that fell, that's fallen to actually decay and die. So these are nice, juicy, green trunks that are just scattered everywhere. And plus there's this uh, beetle that's been killing all the trees in Rocky Mountains because they thrive in a little bit warmer climates. And normally in the winter, the cold temperatures keep these beetle populations in check. But now that the temperatures mm -hmm. are bit, these beetles have been allowed to flourish and they just eat the tree basically and they kill the tree so there's all this beetle kill that's everywhere and there's a mountain that overlooks the lake right where i was working at and i would say that anywhere from 40 to 25 percent of that entire mountain face is dead so if the fire gets that's crazy like if the fire gets there the whole the whole mountain's gone you know and all the homes that are lining along the lake shore and it's just it's just a matter of time you know it really is this year if you didn't believe in it this year you have been living up this if you didn't you said it's the fires if you have if you don't believe in climate change now you're an idiot you're burying your head in the sand because it's literally hitting us right in the face as we're trying to do something about it i know man uh I just recently joined the Sunrise Movement. Have you heard about that? No, what is that? So it's a youth-led group that has like 400 hubs around the country. And the Sunrise Movement is basically a like a youth-led political group that is fighting for climate policy at the federal level, basically. So... They're really pushing for the Green New Deal, which has so many upsides. And the only downside is the deficit. You know, like there's no money, for, mm -hmm. no money for anything because we're $30 trillion in debt. So, we, you know, it's going to create millions of jobs because we have to deploy all this renewable energy stuff. We have to revamp our energy grid to connect LA and New York. And there's like, rocky mountains and there's this big divide there like anyway anyway um i uh i signed up to like do this introduction meeting thing so on their website like i think it's every tuesday at 8 30 p.m eastern time um they have like an orientation for new members and when i went there was eight over 800 people in the zoom call and uh yeah, it was the biggest Zoom call I'd ever been a part of by far. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just kind of like how you can how you can help fight for climate change like policy, you know. So I've been trying to get more involved in that and I want to volunteer. Like I'm volunteering at a house right now. Um I'm getting paid for it, but I'm kind of volunteering. Anyway. Yeah, that, that, no, that's dope because we need more groups like that because on our ass about climate change and now that's all he wants to do something about it now it's all all you hear is negative claims like you said that's it it costs too much how are we going to do this how are we going to do that and it's, we can probably do it if we all just actually think about a way to do it and actually work together instead of just picking and choosing what you want out of it yeah yeah um in the analogy that was the one of the arguments that was made to me for the green was it's obviously just a play of words for the New Deal in the 30s with FDR. And back then, even in the middle of the worst recession in the history of our country, people were like, no, I don't want the New Deal. It's too crazy. It's too radical. It's too expensive. It's too this or that. But it turned out to be one of the best things that an American president ever did. And what mm -hmm. the New Deal is trying to fight for is that a very similar situation. We are in a very similar situation to 1932. You know, I think it's pretty obvious. So getting a chance to actually do something on the scale of a new deal in the Green New Deal, we've never had a better opportunity than now to do this. Now, and we, we have to seize it because it's otherwise it'll be too late.
yeah, I mean, we, we get one world, one shot at this. So it's something I've gotten really passionate about lately. It's important to think about, and I'm glad that you are. Like everybody should be thinking just a little more about it, and at least educating yourself on what it is and what you can do to help. For sure. What's the political? I mean, you haven't been there for very long, so I guess this question is kind of hard for you to answer. But what's the political climate like in D.C. right now? Because I feel like it's just a ground zero of our second civil war is going to be in D.C. <laughs> When Trump refuses to leave the White House, <laughs> like <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's actually like not violent, which is I totally surprised me. It's really like happy, like bro. When the when Biden did the that Saturday when CNN called it or whatever day CNN called it, there were people all over the street just like partying, waving Biden flags. They went through and taped a bunch of like signs on the front uh, gate talking about like dump Trump and like you're out of here like your time's up you're fired and it was just like a joyous atmosphere like it was like a massive street party <laughs> that'd be lit <laughs> there, uh, I heard about that and like a lot of the major US cities people were cheering in the streets instead of crying in the streets My yeah it was moment from the 2016 election was the day after they called it for Trump or whatever, and there are all those protests, like hashtag not my president. Uh, there was this one lady who's just on her knees screaming, no, she's screaming into there, no. <laughs> just like, I die. I've seen that. Oh, God. I'm more happy for the people that hate Trump that he's out of office than I am for myself that Trump's actually out of office. Like I'm, I'm happier for the country itself that he's out than I am for myself. It's weird. We, I, I get it. We need it honestly. <laughs> yeah. We need a, 2020 needs a win, man. For sure. So. Yeah, man. What else, what else you been up to? Like, how do you like your job? Like, do you like what you're doing so far? You're a few weeks into it. But. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's really trial by fire. Like my boss literally would just throw me. I had to set it on an interview the other day. They're hiring some position out in Serbia because they have an office in Serbia. I had to set it on a bunch of interviews for that. And it's like just learning as you go pretty much. So like I do anything and everything. It keeps it interesting. I have multiple different stuff to do every day. So I like it that way. I want to just like sit and like do code all day or like just sell, sell things all day. Like I want to do a bunch of different things. So that's kind of a good path. I believe that I can at least figure out what I'm doing. And then from there, I can just take it and go with it. Yeah, definitely. Being able to, well, right now our minds are sponges because we're 22, 23 years old. The more stuff you can get involved in, the more stuff you can see and do. And for me, doing is so much more important. Uh, I, it's, it's just important, you know, like I'm working, I'm building a house right now. So a few days ago, I was drilling uh, holes in sheet metal and then nailing it to the side of the house. And then today I was putting insulation in. Uh, this other day I was digging a hole and moving some dirt. Like it's, it's manual labor, but it's all sorts of different stuff. What, whatever the house needs today to get done, that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm cool. How long have you been working on the house? I think it like, this is the third week, I think. Um, so the whole story behind this house is that it, there's a contest that's held by the Department of Energy and they do a bunch of contests for universities, but universities apply. And if you're selected as a contestant, there's only 10 contestants in the world out of 200 that applied and only 10 got it. And CU Boulder was one of the universities that um, was approved for their project. And it's the whole point is to build a sustainable home that is cheap, easily built and efficient. 
So the insulation we're doing right now is super important because we, uh, my, uh, I guess boss, I don't know, he's the owner of the house that I'm helping him build it. It's his house, but there's this insulation thing where like, we want this specific insulation to be like this. So it maximizes the amount of heat that it stores. And like this wall faces North. So it definitely has to be like double insulated because the less you have to heat the house with the heating system and the long winters of uh, Grand County, like Frazier is one of the coldest cities in the country, uh, then the better your efficiency is. So this is a contest for efficiency. And it's really cool to just be a part of a house that's like hopefully uh, a guideline for the future of home building. Yeah, that's super dope. That's a really cool concept. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I don't know how all this stuff happened. It's kind of lucked out with it. Um, I will say for anybody listening, if you want to do stuff that you're into, reach out to people and just introduce yourself and talk about why you're passionate about the subject. Cause that's how I got where I am today with this whole house thing. I reached out to probably 20 different people. Some of them are Holy Cross alumni in the climate change field. Some of them are people that I met that got me in touch with the people that they know that are involved in the subject. And it's all about who you know, man. I never really believed that until it actually happened for me. It's all about who you know. It's weird. <laughs> that is like the most important thing you can do is <laughs> just make connections. Connections, yeah. Uh, hopefully in the next month or so, I'll have two of the people that I reached out to and talked to um, on the podcast. They, one of them works for a community solar company in Boston, and one of them is getting his master's degree in environmental policy at CU Boulder. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it'll be, it's, and he, he's actually just finished working on some research. Uh, Cause every grad student is like a part of, a part of research basically. But let me look this up because it's super cool. Um, Don't, where is it? Is it not here? Okay. Anyway, is it this? No, it's not. Anyway, he's like, uh, he's focusing on conservation and the study that he was a part of was the conservation of the Antarctic ecosystem, which basically contains the first step in the entire ocean, uh, like the entire ocean's ecosystem with their like microplankton, you know, the whales eat the plankton and like the shrimp eat the plankton. So the fish eat the shrimp and the sharks eat the fish and so on the chain goes. And right now with losing that polar ice sheets and all the different changes that are happening in the Antarctic, uh, that fragile ecosystem is fragile. It's getting more and more fragile and we're overfishing and all these other things. So that's what his research was focused on and I wanna hear more about that, so. That'd be cool. Yeah, that he's right on the front lines of climate change. Yeah, man, for sure. Doing research on how to like save an ecosystem. I mean, that's pretty cool. So honestly, like I wish I could do something like that, but I don't know if I would want to go through the school for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh I I don't know if I want to go to grad school or not, man. I probably will end up doing something in grad school, but it's not going to be this year. It's not going to be next year. So that's all I'm really thinking about. Mm -hmm. too ahead. If you were to go that's to all you really need, you know, like timeline to have to go to grad school, like a few years after college, like you can go to grad school feasibly anytime. Yeah. And you know, everything's moving more online. So it's becoming more and more accessible. Like I found a sustainability degree from this college in London. That would be super cool. Go live in London. Wow. That's awesome. Like, I'm probably not going to do it, but like, I have to like accept it and everything. Dude. I just like found it. Like, oh, that's cool. Um, but so you wouldn't want to go to grad school. I mean, it's not a part of your plans at all. 
No, it it will be. I just don't know when because the field I'm working in at HR, you need grad school of some kind. There's like a bunch of different routes you could go, like benefits, generalists, uh, like recruiters. There's a bunch of different routes you could go, but like I need something of some kind. And applications you can just take online. They're like you just take a class for like three or four months and they give you a certification and like saying you're like this level of HR professional and you just go up and how many there are exactly, there's a certain amount you can get to to get to like a head of HR company. So I have to start those eventually. Okay. So have you started that process at all or are you just way too early in the process? I'm way too early right now because I'm only like a month in. They budgeted it for next year, I'm pretty sure. So like probably either in the summer or fall next year, I'll start taking certification courses, at least the first step of one of them. And then from then on, I can just go all the way up. Sweet. So they're going to pay for it? At least the first one. <laughs> Depending on how well you do? <laughs> uh, I'll pass it. <laughs> I, just, I just didn't know they were going to pay for it. But my boss was like, yeah, we'll budget that in. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'll definitely do that then. Yeah. Uh, the opportunity that I have to be a part of a solar inst installation crew, uh, they are going to pay for the certification that you can do for the solar industry if you pass it. So it gives you even more incentive to like pass it. And I'm not worried at all about like not passing it. You know, it's just, I haven't started uh, the process of it yet, but it will happen this winter. I don't know when though. How long does it take? No idea. <laughs> I got to figure that out. Uh, you have to have like a certain amount of, hours training and you know all that stuff so i don't know right um, so do you i mean you said you're in the hr department right yeah what what like appealed to you about hr and like starting that career process so honestly it was the internship with the company because i had no idea what i wanted to do for like the first half of college and that came up, that opportunity came up through somehow my application got sent to a consortium of HR generalists like all over and they picked me. And I was like, okay, like I'll do that. It's an internship. Like I get to go down to DC and I get to work. So I'll see what it's like. And I really ended up liking it in the end, like just combining like people skills, but also with like knowing a company inside out, like you, always define it this way for people. You have to know as much as the CEO, but you have to be able to like explain that knowledge to someone who just got to the company. So like your company level of knowledge is up there, but you also have to be able to interact with people, everybody in the company, like day to day on mundane things, on super high, like importance things. Like you have to be able to control data in and out through finance, through payroll, so it's just, like I said, a bunch of different things, and that's what I like to do. So I honestly didn't know until the internship, but now I think it's where I want to be. Sweet, man. I'm happy for you. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah, so, so basically you just kind of, like if you had a company, you just had like a bullet list of all of the components that make up that company. HR's, HR's responsibility is to have a comprehensive knowledge of that and distribute that knowledge to the employees. Am I getting that right? Pretty much well, all the employees. Yeah. All the employees will know it because you'll have to tell them like onboarding, get hired and whatnot. But by that, I mean like you can't help a business from an employee perspective unless you know what the business does. Of course. So that's what I kind of mean by that. So, Probably every like every CEO like direct report will be the HR manager because like they have to know how even like how the company sells things, how the company does things, in order to what kind of employees they want so they can go hire the right people in order to, in my opinion, in order for the company to function completely. Yeah, I feel you. Cool, very cool, man. Um, 
I always think of Pam from The Archer when I think of HR. <laughs> That's all I know about HR. That's a good. <laughs> That's a good one, though. Archer is an amazing show. I love that show, man. Have you seen the new season? I haven't. I'm so behind. I think I stopped watching like two or three seasons ago. I'm so far behind. Dude, the the new seasons are are like, like ten episodes, so they're super digestible, and they're brilliant, man. They're so funny. I gotta get on that again. <laughs> I need more shows to watch. Yeah. What uh? What shows are you watching right now? Oh man, uh, the show on Netflix is called Wentworth. What's it called? <laughs> Wentworth. Wentworth. How do I describe this? It's like a women's prison, and it's basically just a, like follows the story of like these women coming together. It's a it's fictional. It's not real, but it's like the prison politics and like there's guards involved and like drug dealing and like basically the politics of the whole prison and like how it affects every person. It's actually really interesting. Like there's crazy stuff that happens, like prisoners try to escape and everything. It's I, I got put onto it randomly, but I've been binge watching it since probably like September. Nice man. Uh, I'm in between shows right now, but I just had a buddy of mine come up and he just finished Naruto, like all 900 episodes of Naruto Shippuden. And that, I love that show, man. I watched the, like the original Naruto before it's Naruto Shippuden uh, the entire summer before our freshman year. That's what I did. Uh, we had some, you remember my room, man? <laughs> remember my freshman room? Yes, I did. In the, by the bathroom in Wheeler. Yeah, dude. Yeah, um, my no, my summer room, my summer room at Fiji. Oh, the summer room. I I came halfway through, so I don't really remember. Okay, okay. So I had Dean, Dean Doe. Oh wait, no. Yes, I remember this room. <laughs> I had Lucas Hill and AJ Wells and me. What a room! That was a. <laughs> That was the funniest room dynamic I've ever seen. I've ever seen in college. That was hilarious. <laughs> or so, I mean, I must have just been the Wyoming kicker that they had nowhere else to put, because it was like the three outliers on every single class, and then me. So I guess I'm the fourth outlier in our class, which I would probably agree with. But what I mean, what a room! Uh, I would just do go back to go um, go to workouts. Go back to my room and watch Naruto all day. That's what I did. <laughs> that summer was the best because that was before the classes. So you literally just worked out and then did nothing. Well, for me, sophomore summer was the best. That was definitely my favorite summer because it was, I had Spanish 100. Oh, what wow. Was it with, um, what's her name? And Hit, um, oh, like the nicest lady in the world. Yeah, you had her, right? It's Inman. Inman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Inman. Yeah, she's. I had her too. She's amazing. She's so nice. Um, so I like the first day we literally did Uno Dos Trace and the alphabet. Like it's so <laughs> hell yeah, dude. Got the first half of my language requirement out of the way in the summer when there's seven students in the class and. I had to work an hour outside of class a day at the most because mm -hmm. you know? we had like the daily homework stuff, you know? So I did oh, yeah, the little workbooks. Yeah. Man. Summers were like, they could be really fun, but sometimes they could be really boring. Like, I remember, was it junior year? I don't remember what year it was. I didn't take a class and it was so I was like, I should have worked. I should have done something because I just, I don't do anything. Yeah, that was, that was the worst part for me freshman year is I didn't really have anything to do. And I was like a shy kid from Wyoming in a foreign land. So I didn't really reach, like, I didn't really hang out with a lot of people. I kind of did towards the end with Blake and Cole and Mac and all them. Um, but sophomore year, summer, junior year, summer was fun. Um but senior summer was actually a lot of fun too. What did you do? Did you do senior summer? Was the internship in Washington? Yeah, so I, I 
Well, I only went for half of it, though, because I came back off the 4th of July. Yeah. I was right. living with Pruitt, Spencer, and Derek. Yeah. Um, man, the summers were definitely the best part of being a football player. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. Maybe, maybe not definitely. This, I said the summers were one of the best parts about being a football player. Oh, yeah. Because you just hang out with your boys and get swole. <laughs> <laughs> I literally i've never been as ripped as i was like august 1st man i was just jacked for me oh yeah that was <laughs> you come out you come out of the summer feeling the best and looking the best and then by the end of the season it's just all it's gone they <laughs> <laughs> it's just maintenance it's maintenance phase for four months mm-hmm. And then you get to Christmas break, and well, for me, I lost 15 pounds one season, junior season, and I was like, I don't look like the same person. Like everything, like <laughs> this is a different me from August. Bro, I remember that man. Uh, remember Kirk? Yeah, he went from 290 to 215, 220. That's crazy. Yeah. He was dedicated, though. I remember him and MJ used to always go work out uh, after we, after the end of the season, senior year. Yeah, yeah, man. He was ready to lose the weight for sure. I'm mm-hmm. happy. Yeah, it's always good to see people uh, improve themselves, especially after football, because it's just do nothing. Yeah, I mean, I vegetated for a while, but in a so I didn't work out at all until like February, I think, and then I finally went to the Edge gym. That was that gym was kind of nice. <laughs> it wasn't, dude. It was, it was nice, man. All you need is some free weights, and uh, it's all you need is free weights to get a good workout in. You know, I've got twenty-five pound dumbbells here that, I, you know, rip some curls and do some push-ups, run around. That's all I really need to do. And I'm one hundred and eighty pounds now. I don't know how the hell that happened, but that's crazy. <laughs> I haven't been 180 pounds since I want to say they're my sophomore or junior year of high school. That's insane. What was your playing weight again? Like 215? 205 was my playing weight, but I peaked at 218. 218. That's what I'm thinking of. But still, that's an insane drop. (laughs) Yeah. Almost probably about 30 pounds from at least my junior year. I mean, my senior year, I definitely slimmed down a little bit more, but I think it was because my injury – I just literally lost mass in my left leg. Like, do you have any uh, injuries that are, like, still left over from football you're dealing with? My back and my shoulder because I never got surgery on my shoulder. And I just, I don't know, I just blew it off. But my back mostly, but that doesn't hurt unless I, like, like, that's just, like, putting icy hot or something on after a workout. So it's not serious. It's just, like, annoying pain. Yeah, no, I've got a few a few things like that too. Um, for me, it's my shoulder and like upper back. I have all these like all the muscles that are around my left scapula are just knots, just rock hard knots. And I know how to mm-hmm. make it better. I just got to roll it out, you know. Just got to rub it out. But I physically cannot reach that spot. And a ball, like I've got my cross ball. It only does so much. So, like, I've gotten a massage or two to, like, really focus on trying to work that stuff out, and it helps, but it just comes back. It's, like, a chronic problem that I've – I don't know what I'm going to have to do. But And then my patella tendon in the left, my left knee is torn still. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, so that's where the atrophy in my left leg has come from. My hamstring, my quad, my calf, that muscle on the outside of your calf – it's like mm-hmm. nothing compared to my right. It's it's so weird if you look at my legs. There, it's I don't like it, man. I don't know how to fix it either. I don't know, man. It's one of those things of football. Like you will like have something lingering after, especially if you play college football. Yeah, it's it's almost inevitable to go uh, injury free for four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying to keep these under an hour, so uh, we, we just hit about an hour, but 
man, this was this was really great to catch up, man. I'm so glad you uh, agreed. Yeah, man, it's been such a long time. It's good to talk to you again. Everybody scattered, and I just lost contact with so many people. Well, not lost contact, but like can't see anybody anymore. So yeah, and it's not like you lose contact. Like, the, like yesterday, you just randomly hit me up on Snapchat, and it's not like we had lost contact, but we hadn't talked to each other in months. Exactly. Like, I think that's a cool thing about our class is like, we're the type of class where somebody can hit up somebody and be like, hey, like, I'm coming to your city. Like, I'm just here on a coincidence. Like, let's hang out. Everybody would be like, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That I, I felt like we had a weird class where, like, we weren't as the class above us was a lot closer, but they were like two very distinct groups. For us, it's kind of like, we had kind of one big group, like six or seven, eight guys or whatever, but it was a lot of like pockets of like three and four, but like everybody was chill with each other. Mm -hmm. We didn't really have any problems. No, I think that explains like why we were able to come together. Like we, we all genuinely, like, genuinely liked each other. Yeah, and winning a championship definitely helps. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that ring is beautiful. Woo. <laughs> I was so happy when it came to the mail. Dude, I know. It came to my parents' house because I didn't trust the mail system in the mountains to send it to me. So it sent it to my parents' house and I didn't get it for another like month after we got it all sent. But oh, man. <laughs> first time you open that jar up, that little box, and you see that glittering A. John's 22. You know, it was just beautiful. It's, it, it, was, it was beautiful. <laughs> It's a perfect way to wrap up a career in football. A hundred percent. Yeah. And a perfect way to wrap up a podcast. Boom. I just did that. Yes, sir. <laughs> right. uh, we got to stay in touch, man. We got to talk again soon. All right. It's been good. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure, man. Peace. Of course. Peace out.